This is The Law School Show. Discovering the person behind the resume. Bringing you their stories and their tips on how to succeed in your legal career. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Greetings, Law School Show listeners. Thank you for joining us today. We hope your new year is off to a great start and that you're continuing to implement the resolutions that you had put in place at the start of the year. This is Rishi coming straight to you from Toronto. In this episode, we interviewed Ari Komert. He's the co-founder of an up-and-coming startup called Legal Cafe. Legal Cafe is a startup based out of Toronto that is trying to create a place online where lawyers can connect and support each other. It's a very, very cool initiative that Ari and his co-founder have started. In this interview, Ari and I cover a wide spectrum of topics, including how Legal Cafe was started and why it was started, some of the challenges that Ari and his co-founder faced in getting Legal Cafe off the ground, and we also try to unpack a bit of Ari's background. Ari has had experiences in Australia, Turks and Caicos Island, as well as in Toronto, where now he runs his own firm. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Ari Comer. Ari, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm all right. Before we jump into Legal Cafe, give our listeners a bit of a background about yourself. So uh, I am a graduate from uh, Ryerson's IT program. I was a coder before I went to law school. Okay. And uh, I, I attended law school in Australia, got called to the bar out there, and then uh, had a bit of a stint practicing in Southeast Asia. Okay. Um, after that was done, I came back to Canada, um, did my NCAs, articled, got called to the bar, and then I left again. <laughs> Where did you go after? Uh, I went to Turks and Caicos Islands. Beautiful. Uh, practiced law out there, and then I came back in 2014 and started my own firm in Toronto. So you really wanted to come back after Turks and Caicos? No, I, I go I'm, I'm, I go back and forth. I go back yeah. and forth. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to leave that place. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations on starting your own firm. Like I mentioned to you earlier, we will be focusing a bit on you sure. on the latter part of the interview. But let's start it off with Legal Cafe. Mm-hmm. What is Legal Cafe? So Legal Cafe is kind of the brainchild uh, between me and my co-founder of supporting lawyers who otherwise found it difficult to find either membership, uh, mentorship or access to information. And it's a community that we created online so we can facilitate, you know, dialogue, knowledge sharing mm-hmm. um, in specific areas of practice or across different areas of practice, which you want to maybe get up to speed on and then building relationships and networks. So did you find that there was something missing right now? That's why that's what led you to start it um, in being a sole practitioner to start. I yeah. found it very challenging finding um, meaningful people to ask questions to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my inspiration kind of came for joining this project was when I was articling in criminal law. Okay. Uh, the criminal law lists are run by the Criminal Law Association. It was an invaluable tool. And a lot of the lawyers, junior and senior alike, were really having day-to-day access to it and providing and sharing information. So people who don't know what this listserv is, sure. can you give us a bit of a background about this listserv? Sure. So when you join the Criminal Law, Criminal Lawyers Association, you okay. have access to a daily, they call it an email listserv. Okay. And what happens is people or criminal defense lawyers go on there to share case law, experience with judges, you know, how, you know, just basic legal information, mm-hmm. including, you know, finding experts 
uh, for trials coming up, or even more experts in just criminal law itself. So um, people pose questions, and the questions get answered. And this is just emails being sent out to the just listserv? Just emails. Okay. Yeah. So the, the issue with the listserv is it's difficult to backtrack and search. For sure. Because yeah. Because there's a tendency or the propensity to have repeat questions being asked and answered. Especially if you have new people joining the listserv, you can imagine that all the historical information that's sitting there, those guys don't have access to that. Correct. Right? Correct. Yeah. So uh, we, I I guess me and Sean kind of discussed this. Sean Tokumajan, who's the co-founder. Yeah. Um, and... We thought that that might be a valuable tool all around. Um, and the technology for the listserv, while it's still working, it's just not really up to modern standards. For sure. So, you know, that's where Legal Cafe kind of um, came about. All right. Well, so how does it work now? So it's a, is it a portal that people log into? Walk us through what happens. It's, it's, it's got the touch and feel of a traditional social media website. Okay. Um, you know, you log on, you create a very brief profile about yourself. Um, it's currently being, um, uh, we are sending invites to Ontario-based lawyers as well as law students throughout Canada. And um, what happens is we send out an invite, you sign up, we vet your credentials to make sure one, you are a lawyer um, and one, you are in law school. And then once we were satisfied, we allow access to that person. So uh, we want to just make sure that everybody who's on board or using the site is of a particular, you know, mm -hmm. you know but who we're kind of aiming the product to. And that's how you basically. And then once and you're inside the website, uh, do you have access to all the questions being asked? Are you broken down into different sections? So um, you can, you can, go into different categories of law. So mm -hmm. if you want to research family law, employment law, civil litigation, different areas, you can see what's being asked and answered in that particular section, or you can just generally just do searches. So we have a pretty integrated search feature. So say you're looking for a case or a particular topic and you type it in the search, it will list all the conversations um, that have been discussing that topic. And another real cool feature about it is, as opposed to like a listserv, is you can follow lawyers who you think are, you know, value-added contributors. Mm -hmm. So there might be a particular practitioner, whoever posts a piece, you want to have a, you want to know what they're saying. So it becomes like a dedicated, kind of like, it's a hybrid between a Facebook and a Twitter and a LinkedIn all into one, just for lawyers, specifically right now, just for lawyers in Ontario. That's amazing. I can I can see it being very helpful, like you said, for sole proprietors or people in small firms where there's they can share knowledge with other people who might have had similar situations in the past. Almost, I believe there's a similar tool for doctors, right? Where I forget the name of the tool, where they have a website they can ask other doctors questions, which right. has picked up quite a bit in the U.S. Right. Um, there are other tools for other professions. Yeah. I think I think the on the legal side. Because the profession itself is pretty closed off, yeah. um, I mean, it's a knowledge-based profession, so people aren't quick to share everything with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like if we can break down those barriers and you know make it okay to share knowledge, then it might become a tool that's very heavily relied on, not only by new practitioners or sole practitioners, but people in you know bigger firms who want to communicate through other channels of law or even create its own community within a particular practice group. For sure. Right. So kind of going off of something you said about being a close profession, what kind of uptake have you seen or have you guys launched yet? Um, so what I saw in the criminal law listserv mm -hmm. is a pretty unique, I think, storm because it's all criminal defense lawyers. Yeah. 
and in that kind of there's not really any contention between them in their day-to-day practice in fact they're all collegial with each other right mm-hmm. um and what we're trying to set up is we're trying to get people in different areas of practice joining up and then becoming you know just opening access to other lawyers yeah so for example in the real estate section we hope to have you know a good group of people just compute contributing and even answering questions. So for example, if I got a particular transaction I'm working on, you know, without giving specifics, yeah. I'll say, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. Has anybody have any experience or precedent dealing with this type of matter? Yeah. And then the, the goal and the hope is that it can then translate to getting that question answered. Even furthering that point, if, it's, if somebody is looking for another lawyer to take on a matter that's maybe out of their depth or, you know, out of their particular expertise, to find lawyers who they can refer work to or, you know, collaborate yeah. on work together. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So what's your, when did you guys get started, by the way, on this project? Um, we officially, we officially launched in July of this year. The, the site started becoming, uh, soliciting invitations in, in July. Okay. Um, and um, so right, right now we had about um, 50 active members who joined the site. Okay. Um, we've had a lot more people sign up. We just haven't accepted it because they weren't, we thought we weren't in the particular criteria area. Okay. Um, so what we are trying to do now is get not the numbers as high as we can, but get people who have signed up perpetually using it. So coming in and either posing questions or trying to answer questions of the people who've asked. Okay. Let's let's focus a little bit on the developing side of the website because I know that some of our listeners are very entrepreneurial themselves and it's always interesting to get an idea of how a business got started. Sure. So when you guys got the idea, how did you go about actually making it happen from an idea stage to getting the website up? Okay. So that's a very, very good question. And being an ex-programmer, yeah. um, I have a bit of competency in having the product built. But for people who have great ideas, who just don't know how to get it, you know, created, um, there's a lot of tools out there that you can avail of. You don't have to really start everything from scratch. Um, You know, there's a lot of ready-built sites where you can package and customize to fit your own need. Interesting. So, depending on what you're trying to build, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. And then once you do have a great idea or you think you have at least a prototype or, you know, you can always partner up with people to have it built. In this day and age, having a site built, you know, make sure you have the right contracts in place, is not that co- is is not that expensive anymore. Mm-hmm. So you can fit for fairly a fairly low cost point, you can get a tech product built yeah. to be marketable and you know ready to be. Used. So is that what you guys use? You outsource? You had somebody else build a website for you? Um, we yeah, we we kind of outsource the project ourselves. Yeah, um, it's obviously it's in its infancy stages, so we are always trying to improve on the technology and yeah. you know the look and feel. But we feel completely confident that's working the way it should be right now. Okay, and to get to that point wasn't very very long, and it wasn't very expensive. Well, so, that's amazing. Yeah, so for people out there with an idea, you know, don't shy away. I speak with a lot of entrepreneurs and I've gone to, you know, legal innovation zone that you are yeah. part of. And one question that a lot of founders always have or people with ideas is, do I need a technical person on my team or is it sufficient for me to outsource the technical aspects and just have the guys who have the ideas on the team That's as, a, a, as the founding team? That is one. Of, that is the hardest question to answer because <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Um, I've been on projects where we brought on tech guys. We gave them, you know 
part of the company and that didn't end too well for anybody. Mm -hmm. And then the problem is once you've given a tech guy their share, replacing them with another tech guy isn't the easiest conversation. Yeah. So that kills a lot of projects. For sure. So the best thing is, you know, if you can pay for the services mm -hmm. and, you know, obtain it through, you know, you know, a development agreement or some sort, that's basically, the, I would, you know, that's probably the best way to go. So, but on, on the other end, if you can't really do that either, you know, getting a tech guy on board who's really part of the team, understands what, you know, you guys are trying to do is always beneficial. Sounds good. So now you're at a state, you launched in July, you have about 50 active members. Yeah. Where do we go from here? So our, our, our goal is to, as I said, is, is try to, you know, organically increase the user rate, but have people who have joined to become more active on it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like a catch 22 situation. For sure. Yeah. Right. So that, that's a challenge. And what we feel is by talking to either more experienced practitioners who people actually want to hear what they have to say, that would draw people to come in and ask questions and maybe have an answer. Uh, another strategy that we're, we're trying to consider and basically who to approach is approaching loss, you know, loss societies mm -hmm. to see if we can one, cater this to their membership and two, you know, um, have it just, you know, presented to them and see if, if it's something that they can, you know, have it as part of their membership or subscription fees. Yeah, that's actually a really cool approach. Because yeah. I can see it being benefit and an offer that Law Society provides as once you join the Law Society, you also join this membership group where you have access to pretty much free information. Right. So, I, I mean, I, without naming specific societies, I mean, uh, there's a lot out there, that, you know, aside yeah. from the criminal law listserv, the criminal lawyers uh, listserv, they don't have the service. So, yeah. you know, by becoming a member, you know, we can say this is an incentivized reason to join this Law Society, Law Association. For sure. Because it comes with this type. You know, we, we, our goal right now is just to see how many people we can get using it yeah. on an active basis to see where it goes. Yeah. So while you were starting the project and based on where you are today, what were what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you faced in getting this project to where it is today? Um, okay. I, I just first have to say that, you know, the legal innovation zone in Ryerson was a massive assistance yeah. both in, techno, in technological know-how and just basically how to start this type of venture. I mean, it's created for a reason. Um, it is assisting legal startups, specifically in the tech zone. So that was, that is something that everybody who's trying to do this type of a product should definitely, whether it's DMZ at Ryerson or just Liz. Um, Were you part of uh, Liz from the infancy of this project or uh, was it something you joined afterwards? It was something that was joined very quickly after the initial concept came about. We, okay. uh, my co-founder pitched it um, and then it got accepted and, and then it started. We didn't launch. We launched after uh, we were with Liz. And what kind of support one can expect by joining? Is a, I guess it's an incubator, right? Yeah, it's an incubator. There's definite men, uh, serious mentorship opportunities. Um, there's office space to come to. There's like-minded entrepreneurs there. There's marketing assistance, social media assistance, um, launch party. So there's a lot of benefits that we still even haven't availed of to its maximum potential. But I mean, anybody who's starting this type of a product, yeah. I mean, it would probably be their one, number one golden choice. And what, what uh, just talking about Liz, because again, for entrepreneurs, it's yeah. probably a really good resource for legal entrepreneurs. Uh, how do you go about applying it and how long did it take you uh, part of the application process to get uh, accepted? My co-founder would be the best person to ask because he was the one actually doing it. I wasn't <laughs> but I, I think I think that um, they're always on the lookout for good ideas. So yeah. obviously your idea has to be well thought out. It has to be well presented and there's got to be some sort of 
purpose to it or economic, I guess, gain at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be economic, it could be social gain, but um, if, you, if you're able to uh, articulate what you're trying to do uh, and you're committed to it, I think they're really open to it. I mean, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I mean, that's what they're there for, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So going back to my initial mm-hmm. question about challenges, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you faced in starting this project and now getting people to come on board? Okay, so the biggest challenge with any new startup is funds. Okay. So, you know, um, especially because I work full-time, my mm-hmm. co-founder works full-time, finding the time then after to work on something like this really takes a lot of dedication. For sure. To get to get people, I guess, using our product and seeing the vision that what we, you know, what we created it for just has, just has to be communicated. People just have to know about it. Whoever is actually hears about it and then joins it sees the benefit of what you know the website can and can do right now the challenge is getting people using it because mm-hmm. nobody wants to come to a site where there's nothing really happening yeah so because it's really in its infancy um i guess our goal is to educate people what it is to get them to come join and then not only just join but to want to come back on and log on and yeah become you know active so if somebody wants to join legal cafe do they just go on the website? They just go on the website. They go to legalcafe.ca. Yeah. Uh, they can request an invite. And once they request an invite, we'll send them the uh, form where they just fill out their information. Uh, we'll vet the information. Um, it's pretty easy to verify people. Okay. Um, so we just do law society checks. And just, you know, if you're a student, we, we make sure you have a student handle at a, at a law school. Okay. So you, and that's basically... Um, Sweet. Yeah. Well, that's that's good on the legal cafe side, but I think our listeners would also be very interested in knowing a bit about you, like like we mentioned at the get go. Sure. So you have a very interesting uh, experience base. So you have gone to a few countries and mm-hmm. practiced in a variety of countries outside of Canada as well. Mm-hmm. What would you say were some of the big differences in practice of law that you see happening in Toronto that that, that you're doing yourself versus what you saw in Turks and Caicos, sorry, Turks sure. and Caicos, as well as in Australia and other countries? I think um, that's a very interesting question. I think it's a really unique experience to be able to have multi-jurisdiction experience under my belt. I'm going to be honest with you, it's not taken too favorably when you come back to Canada. And what I mean by that is, really? yeah, it, it, it's a shock to me too. Yeah, um, I would imagine it would be a really good asset to you, that. You would think so, but you have to be, law is very jurisdictionally specific in its mm-hmm. practice, or it's perceived to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come back to Canada, it, it, was a, it was a huge challenge trying to justify the legal work I did outside of this country because they see it as Canadian legal experience and non-Canadian legal. So while there's great benefits to working internationally, there's some drawbacks too. Mm. Um, that's, that was my personal experience. So I just got you, off the phone with the recruiter yesterday, we were just talking about it. They said, so what about your actual Canadian experience? Oh, wow. <laughs> so what about the last seven years? Yeah. But I can tell you in terms of being practical to your client base and even you know to whoever is approaching, you have a very unique perspective of things are done in different places. I have a very unique experience of a Things are done in other Commonwealth jurisdiction. How things are done in, out in Asia and in Brazil and in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, the core practice is the same. I mean, yeah. law is law. You're working at a law firm. The billable hours are the same type of principle. The type you're just researching different laws, and um, it's just interesting to see 
how it was in itself different in different nuances. Do you find that some of those jurisdictions are maybe more technologically advanced than we are? For the reason I'm asking is so we know in New York, for instance, there are a few law firms that have already adopted a bunch of artificial intelligence softwares right. that are in place. Right. In Canada, we're a bit behind in such adoption or technologically advanced solutions to practice law. And this ties in well with you know what Legal Innovation Zone is trying to do is bring all these yeah. legal startups and trying to get that implemented in Canadian law firms. So all these other countries that you practice in, did you find that they're also lagging a bit behind or some of them are uh, are kind of taking the charge and adopting some of these technologies? I, I think I think uh, for that's a, it's a that's a tough question to answer. I'd say leading the charge is Singapore. Oh yeah. Um, if you're a litigator in Singapore, I mean. It, Imagine getting text when your when your matter's coming up. So you're not sitting in a courtroom for like five hours waiting. Wow. Um, you can file everything online. You can register. I mean, Ontario. If if you if you're doing registrations, Ontario, you know that in service Ontario isn't the most technologically advanced system. So on a tech side, I think Canada lags quite behind um, yeah. in some you know more major international jurisdictions. In Turks and Caicos and in Brazil, not so much. Yeah, but <laughs> but, but, but I mean, over here, if you and, and, and people who practice real estate, I mean, people we still use faxes. Yeah, on yeah, a daily yeah. basis. No, I know. So um, I worked with a real estate lawyer in my first year, and yeah, I was, I was shocked to see how much faxes and paper was getting wasted just printing out. Still faxing. Yeah. Um, so you know, I mean, it's, honestly. Ontario, to a certain extent, was a was a big innovator. I mean, Terranet, the Terranet system was, you yeah. know, at the time a pretty novel concept. It just hasn't really been updated for for a decade. But yeah. um, it's a catch twenty two. I mean, there's a lot of p- places that have the opportunity to progress on the tech side a lot more. And then you know, Toronto is a huge, you know, bar here. It's you know, it's a big, yeah, it's a big, it's a big jurisdiction. So you know, trying to get everybody on board to come, you know, to make tech advances. Yeah. All, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll be adopting some of these technologies, which are clearly helping lawyers outside of Canada yeah. in Canada soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple of questions. One thing I really want to ask you, which is something you touched on earlier is, so you have your own practice. Yes. And I believe you also work with a law firm in Turks and Caicos yes. as well. Yes. And now you have your startup. Yes. How do you find the time and what are some techniques that you use to be able to efficiently manage your time and dedicate and give each one of those projects your 100%. It's, it's a very, very good question, important question. Um, knowing what you can and can't handle in my in, in all of my practices and in my business. Yeah. So um, because I do own my own practice, I get to pick and choose for, for, you know, for lack of a better word, what kind of clients I've decided to take on and what, what I do and I don't do. Um, and then I also have associates who help me. Mm-hmm. So that's that has actually allowed me to grow my business out of well. If I want to be a part of these other things, it means that I have to do I have to do less and less here. So then, it, my my practices have grown because of it. Interesting. It's interesting, right? So um, I guess it's also it's it's a little bit of struggle when people start their own practices, letting go and trusting that associate, somebody yeah. else to be able to produce that work. I find a lot of people end up sticking very close to their name and not being able to expand out. You know what? The the type of practice, and just as I'm not trying to plug my yeah. firm, it's just the type of practice or approach that I had here is I treated like a tech startup. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you can see from the yeah. kind of vibe of my office, you know, um, this is a place where billable hours are our enemy. We're here for solutions. So if you change the way and you in the way you approach your client base and you handle the practice of law. 
you'll feel that you become more of a service provider and less bound to this type of cons- you know confined thing of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So you can work anywhere out of the world this day and age. As long, if you're not a litigator, yeah. if you're not a litigator, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can really work from anywhere. So it's time management. You know, me and Sean, we we we, we talk about it all the time. You know, uh, you know, you have to make the time. Yeah. You know, it, it's a difference between watching TV for a couple hours a night or you know the internet to sitting down and having conversations about a business after work hours. Like we're doing right now, yeah. right? So, make, time is a funny thing. Yeah, I mean, I've got understandings. I've, I've got an understanding here with my associates and my firm. I've, there's an understanding with you know people know that I'm in Toronto one week out of the month. Mm-hmm. You know, I go back and forth, so I can't. I mean, I you know you you can't be expected to be taking the full workload. So it's spread out, and it's just because of you know the way I want to you know run my career. That's great. Yeah. So based on all those experiences, if you had to give one piece of advice for law students and young professionals, what would you say? I think you have to train your mind to not expect to come out of law school and land this incredible articling gig, stay as an associate and become a partner. I think that path is still available for a very small few people who come out of law school and you have to really be creative in how you create job opportunities and how you make a career in law. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not, ex- I mean, the expectation is that all this is, all this greatness is waiting for you without any real work once you come out of law school. Because the hard part was getting into law school and surviving the academia of it all. And now I feel from the people that I see coming out, there's this entitlement. And it's just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, it's just not. So, um, if I put out an advertisement in my, for my firm to look for somebody, I get flooded. And then when I bring people in, you know, you see what people are looking for and they're all looking for that one magic kind of right up. It's not there. So whether it's using your experiences or your own personal networks to never give up and, you know, fight for the type of law you want to practice, yeah. the type of firm you want to be a part of and what you want to do, settling to do some sort of law because it's it's not the way to go because it's a short-term solution. Are there are there anything that students can do while they're in law school to better prepare themselves for the realities that we face in the legal profession today? I think I think networking is the key. Yeah. Having conversations with other lawyers. I know that sounds cliche, but you know, in essence, tying this back to legal cafe, that's exactly what this is for. It's by talking to people, you get knowledge, especially knowledge about who's looking for who or looking for what. It might not be in in a in an employment position. It might be in a position of a business opportunity. Yeah. Where you know, my associate came to me because I was supposed to go to Cornell University to do a master's. I was looking for somebody to take over my practice and train while I was gone. Now I didn't end up going this year and next year, but out of that opportunity for him, he now has a completely open practice and in a very bright future ahead of, ahead of himself from basically a very random yeah. meeting of I had with some guy on the beach in the, in the islands who introduced <laughs> me to this guy. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a completely random. Wow. So that's how weird this day and age becomes. Yeah. I guess the, the approach to networking is not, not, not to find a job, but essentially be curious and be inquisitive about what people are doing and learning more because you never know when that opportunity might present itself. You never know when the opportunity might present itself. And you might hear no, 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 which is what I found when I first came back to Canada to now 
kind of being in the industry, being in practice, and people saying, well, you, your, your background's interesting. Yeah. Maybe you should come join us. And now I'm saying, no, 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 because I love what I'm doing, and I've, I think I've created something special. Awesome. I think we are, you know, and because of the tech background, tech background, I think that, you know, Legal Cafe has a lot to benefit from kind of me being involved, and I think people who actually come to use it we'll find that it's going to be a really invaluable user to tapping into networks. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and sharing the story about yourself as well as Legal Cafe. And again, if anybody wants to go online, they can go to legalcafe.ca, I believe, to log in. Thanks, Ari. Thank you so much. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from the Law School Show. Career Advancing Advice, right to your earbuds.